Hello everyone, thanks for tuning in. You are listening to Captain Roy's Rusty Rocket Radio Show. It has an acronym. C-R-R-R-R-S Which is absolutely terrible if you have almost a touch of dyslexia. It's very hard to see if you've got the right number of R's. Anyway. This is the UK Geek Science Fiction Fantasy and Horror Podcast, episode 490, recorded on Monday the 12th of June 2023 at 22.55.10. It is a hot night, that's not in my show notes, (laughs) that isn't unspontaneous banter, it is just a statement of fact. I am wearing my headphones, and I have noticed that one ear cup is set at substantially a different height to the other. I think as I get older, my ears are getting more and more uneven. It wouldn't surprise me that in a couple of years' time, my left ear will be on top of my head and my right ear will be around about my chin. Hmm, okay. Enough self-bantering. Let's do the revisit journal. Oh, and also tell you what we're doing today. Oh yeah, sorry about that. Tonight we are discussing the classic Doctor Who story, Ark of Infinity, from 1983. Okay, now let's do the revisit journal. In 489, I said I did a pre-show check then ditched the headphones because everything sounded all right. Well, let me tell you, it wasn't all right, not by a long shot. It was recorded in one channel only, but I fixed it in post. The moral, wear headphones, Roy, wear headphones, and tonight is not a good day to be wearing giant German DT-150s. Whew... So hot. I also have a strong sense of deja vu from the supposedly new material that I sourced from a scratch file that I used to pad out 489. In actual fact, I've had deja vu of deja vu recently, so I don't know what that means. I'm probably losing my mind. And so, both stupidity and mind-warping aside, welcome to 1983 and Season 20 of Classic Doctor Who. Oh, and by the way, I've also forgotten to tell you something else. I've now added a thing that I need to say in the metadata, and that is the microphone I'm using, because it's changed so often. I'd like to remember for posterity, for what it's worth, the mic I'm using tonight is the Shaw SM58, not the Shaw SM7B that I have been using recently. It's not that the SM7B is a bad mic, it isn't, it's a good mic. It's a little too flat though, and it's not as flattering to me as the 58. So there you are. If you're wondering which one to buy, it really depends on your voice, and there's no real way of telling until you try both. Or a completely different one. There are so many other 
things that can affect your sound. Mics are one of them, but at our budget levels, well, I'm being presumptuous. Maybe you're incredibly super rich and you've got a anechoic chamber in which to tape your podcast in. Or you're like me and you've got a room in a home to tape your <laughs> podcast in and you've just tried to do your best. In which case, the mic is probably the least of your worries. As I said, welcome to 1983. Let me convey to you some of my brief notes about the Doctor Who story, Ark of Infinity. The fifth Doctor is played by Peter Davison. His companions are Nyssa, played by Sarah Sutton, and Tegan, played by... Janet Fielding. Notable cast, other than those, well, Colin Baker. Yes, Colin Baker plays a character called Maxill, and of course will become the sixth Doctor after Peter Davison. Previous to that role in science fiction, at least science fiction that I'm a fan of, he played Baban in Blake 7 in 1980. It was a very memorable performance. There was also a chap called Michael Goff, who plays Councillor Hedden, who also starred as the Celestial Toymaker in the Doctor Who story from 1966, and Alfred in the Batman films, particularly the Tim Burton films, and others from 1989 to 1997. The chap was also married to Doctor Who companion actress Annika Wills, who played Polly, and his adopted daughter's name was also Polly. The director was Ron Jones, who we've talked about before, and at the almost certain risk of repeating myself, also directed Black Orchid, Time Flight, Frontios, Vengeance on Varos, and Mind Warp. The writer was Johnny Bryan, who also wrote The Keeper of Traken, Warriors of the Deep, and I think wrote either all or most of the first season of Space 1999. The producer was John Nathan Turner. Locations. There was on-location filming in Amsterdam, and also in the studio at BBC Television Centre Shepherd's Bush in 1982. As for broadcast... This was Season 20, Serial 1, Story 123, following Time Flight, which I talked about in 487. It consisted of four 25-minute episodes and was first broadcast from the 3rd to the 12th of January, 1983. Media releases. There was a Target novelization by Terence Dix in 1983, a VHS in 1994, a DVD 
released together with Time Flight in 2007, a DVD as part of Doctor Who DVD Files issue 108 in 2013. Zeitgeist, as usual, I've completely let you down. <laughs> I had to resort to the UK music charts again. Rene and Renato's Save Your Love's Romantic Saccharine was at number one. And if you know what's good for you, don't go and look for that. Again, it'll just be another earworm. Like the Goombay dance band's Seven Tears that we talked about recently. Only worse. As usual, I'm going to play you a short clip to get the juices of imagination flowing, and then I'll tell you what happens. Rolling clip in three, two, one. So you're prepared to kill the doctor? Commander! I can expel or destroy you, Omega. It's your choice. Farewell, Doctor! Stop him! Okay, I hope you enjoyed that. I took the opportunity to have a little break, visit the little chap's room. Oh, it is still so hot here. It's not really hot, it's humid. Whatever it is, it's uncomfortable and sweaty. Okay, let me stop waffling and tell you what happens in Ark of Infinity. A Time Lord, under the command of an antimatter creature, hacks the Matrix of Gallifrey for the Doctor's genetic code. In the TARDIS, the Doctor repairs the view screen's audio. He encounters an astronomical anomaly, an incursion from the antimatter universe, called the Ark of Infinity, and then is forcibly pulled to Gallifrey. Meanwhile, in Amsterdam, a couple of young and broke backpackers decide to spend the night in a crypt under a fountain. Heralded by the iconic sound of a TARDIS materialising and blazing lights, a sinister reptilian alien appears. An Ergon, as we will find out. It shoots one of the men while the other escapes. On Gallifrey, the High Council of Gallifrey seize the TARDIS and execute the Doctor to prevent his body being used as a vessel for the creature to escape the antimatter universe. However, the Doctor is not dead, but held captive by the creature who turns out to be none other than the legendary Time Lord Omega. Back in Amsterdam, Tegan arrives and looks for her missing cousin, one of the backpackers, with the help of the man who escaped. Together, they return to the crypt and are taken hostage as leverage against the Doctor. 
To prevent harm to Tegan, the Doctor agrees to help Omega. We discover that the Doctor's old friend, Councillor Hedden, a kindly old gentleman, at least in this regeneration, is a traitor, enthralled to Omega. The Castellan, uh, Time Lord's security chief, kills Councillor Hedin, but Omega manipulates the Arc of Infinity with a fusion booster powered by hydrogen extracted from the water from the fountain above the crypt to complete his metamorphosis into a genetic duplicate of the Doctor. Unfortunately, the fusion booster was destroyed by the Doctor, thus interrupting the process, and as Omega flees, his body begins to break down. The Doctor pursues him, corners him, and finally shoots Omega in the chest with the Ergon's device. Omega falls to the ground, seemingly dead, then disappears. Tegan says she has been fired from her job as an airline stewardess and wants to rejoin the Doctor. And there it ends. So, what did I think? Well, you know my feelings on Omega. Omega, our favourite insane supervillain, is back. Omega, one of the first Time Lords, a stellar engineer who manipulated stars with a hand of Omega to provide power for time travel, but became trapped in the antimatter universe when a supernova collapsed into a black hole, later called the Eye of Harmony. I like Omega. Let's talk about the Omega costume. Wow, which is pretty cool. The Omega costume used this time by Ian Collier is as excellent as Stephen Thorne's Omega in The Three Doctors. However, it is a very, very different costume. The 1973 costume is grand. It is imperious. It is hard, shiny, metallic. It is a costume fit for a conqueror in exile. This one, especially the helmet, is squishy, organic, an insectoid pupa, and also machine-like with its rhythmic lights. The similarity to pupa must have been intentional as we see it going squashy and pulsating as the gestation approaches the final genetic metamorphosis within the shell. Conversely, the creature design for Omega's Ergon, created by Psychosynthesis, is, well, it's not entirely terrible. You can see the fleeting resemblance to Omega's own look, but the head of the Ergon is too small for its body. It resembles a chicken skull atop a stiff, upright, skinny dragon. It doesn't look too menacing, in other words. Well, until it produces that device slash weapon and shoots you with it. 
Omega's escape from the antimatter universe is filled with poignancy. We are definitely supposed to empathize with his simple joy at watching a barrel organ in the streets of Amsterdam with its dancing automata, and his pleasure at a child's smile. It is heartbreaking because we know, even as he is living again after so long in exile and alone and going crazy, he is also starting to die. He is a villain, but his ending is hard to stomach. Well, I say ending, but, you know, he's a Doctor Who villain, so who knows? And the Doctor says as much. Peter Davison makes a better bad guy playing Omega than he does a good guy playing the Doctor. Or maybe it's just easier playing a badden? Less depressingly than Omega disintegrating, thank God, during the adventure we hear that Leela, his former companion of the Sever team, is happy on Gallifrey. The Doctor smiles when Tegan says she'll be travelling with him again, but then the smile fades. I don't know if that's intentional. Does the Doctor really want Tegan along for the ride, or did the camera linger for longer than Davison could hold a smile? It seemed to me because of that grudging rather than welcoming... At least Nyssa is glad to see her back. Colin Baker's ruthlessness and eagerness to shoot the Doctor is very obviously a reference to his role as the maniacal Baban the Butcher in Blake 7, a role that I re-enjoyed, and a role that seems to have forever typecasted him as a right nasty bugger. I think he was going for strutting Martinet, and he does in fact manage it, with a bit of camp pantomime thrown in. <laughs> all in all then, let's sum this up. We see a lot of Amsterdam, the Citadel at Gallifrey, which is something I always appreciate, the gloriously pompous Time Lord costumes, a senior Lady Time Lord, Chancellor Thalia, played by Elspeth Gray. Colin Baker as Commander Maxwell in a plumed helmet that he only ever seems to carry. I wonder if he knew how camp his entire act and costume was and decided wearing that thing would be even more ridiculous and just decided to carry it. I don't know. <laughs> Then there's, of course, the welcome return of Omega, one of the best and finest villains in Doctor Who canon. We also welcome Tegan back to the team. I like Tegan. Though rather overly complex, I thought, I'm not 100% certain about getting the sequence of events in the synopsis correct, I'm still not quite sure. 
Arc of Infinity is an eventful beginning to the new season. Okay, finally, let us talk some trivia. There is a prop component the Doctor repairs in the TARDIS's viewscreen circuitry, and that is definitely a Walkman knockoff. Just painted silver, and then he prods it around a bit with some kind of probe. It is joyfully that repurposed budget BBC prop that I enjoy quite a lot. I do remember, oh, I think it was in Blake 7, where they used a plastic tray from a box of chocolates reversed to be some kind of button panel. (laughs) Ah, the props department. The Ergon was played by Malcolm Harvey, who also had uncredited parts in Full Circle, which we've already talked about. I got that piece of information from TARDIS.Fandom.com that was referencing a primary reference from Doctor Who magazine, issue 327. And he also played a guard and a passenger in Blake 7, according to IMDb. And that is it for our revisit of Ark of Infinity. I enjoyed it. I just wish the weather wasn't quite so hot. (laughs) And I wasn't quite so tired. Man, I'm so tired. You'll find out partly why in the next All Things Geek pod. But for now, until we tackle Snake Dance in the next Doctor Who pod... This is it for our revisit. Now I've got to try and cool off. There is a leftover fruit-flavoured ice lolly. Orange-flavoured, I believe. I'm pretty sure it's orange-flavoured. I'm going to take that out of the freezer and literally chill, get away from that concrete island effect. Again, thank you modern urban planning, and global warming. Now, if only I had an air-conditioned TARDIS. Oh, God. Imagine if you were told by the Doctor, yeah, sure, you can travel with him, but, you know, the TARDIS is a bit ramshackle and not everything works, and one of the things that doesn't work is the air conditioning. So there you are. That's your choice. No air conditioning for however long you're with the Doctor, but also all of time and space at your fingertips, or a nice room with air conditioning. Mm, I'm trying to weigh that up. That is it. The show that you have just listened to is produced, presented, and edited by me, Roy Matur, a writer. Matur is spelt M-A-T-H-U-R. You can find more about me or get in touch at roymatur.com. If you want to help, please review and rate the show on whatever platform you listen. Recommend it to a friend or mortal enemy. Or click on the contact or support link on the website. Thanks for tuning in to Captain Roy's Rusty Rocket Radio Show. See (laughs) R-R-R-R-S. The UK Geek 
science fiction, fantasy and horror podcast. The time at the end of the show is... 23.33.26. Yes, the end bit is now a bit shorter because I didn't want to repeat everything that I said at the top of the show. Hopefully I did say it all, though. Otherwise, I've cocked this up. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye for now. Bye! Ah, that lolly. It's a Calippo. Do you remember Calippos? Ah...